Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. In a sudden flash, it all comes clear. It's a eureka moment, an epiphany. Hi, I'm Marcus Smith, host of the Constant Wonder podcast. The world offers marvel, meaning, and mystery around every single corner. In nature, art, science, culture, history, we talk everything from bees and beetles to obelisks and asteroids. Experience the thrill of transformative encounter. We'll bring more wonder to your day. Listen to Constant Wonder wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, welcome to another episode of History Hack. Alex and I are bouncing off the walls, very much so, because we have someone super, super awesome joining us today. Alex, who have we got on? We do. He was so popular last time. You may remember Owen Staten from when we did the debate on Down the Pub about the greatest British battle of all time, because he won. The amateur came swooping in and he won because he did such an awesome rendition of the Battle of Hastings and told such a great story because he is a storyteller by profession that he basically everyone got swept up in this battle that really shouldn't have won, let's be honest. But it oh, did. Yeah. It did. Owen, how you yes. doing? I'm doing well, yeah. I'm glad you still um, don't have strong opinions about the greatest battle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, poor William. I don't give him the credit he deserves. He got lucky. So anyway, Owen, you're here to tell more stories today. Mm -hmm. Now, Welsh folklore. I'm Mm going to quote one of our other listeners this morning. They're not myths if your mum and nana swear it's true because Auntie Keridwen told them this is the Welsh way and we will stick to it. How yeah, yeah, yeah. he's right. He is right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and um, yeah, it's funny that because um, you hear so many stories like that. And, um, and Wales is full of it, you know, little myths in little areas and um, people who swear by them, you know, and um, which is really, really, which is nice. And um, as someone who um, has always had a fascination in stories and folklore and ghosts and legends, um, it's great just to speak to some people like that who um, will often come up with a lot of urban myths that you hear in many different places, but swear it happened to them as well, you know. So um, it's, it's, it's excellent, really. And um, I think Wales has such a, um, a rich sort of background in folklore, in um, in. Um, old stories and mythology that um, isn't always reported um, as well as other places. I mean, I mm. think, um, I mean, Scotland and Ireland in particular, if you look at the other Celtic nations, um, they do so well, you know, promoting to um, America in particular, the stories, etc., and the films, the history they get. And ours is at least equal today as it's just we haven't got such good publicity people sometimes, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have you, Owen. Yeah, yeah. Hi. You have me, so I'm going to bang the drum for Wales um, today. We're really um, looking not... forward to this. Yeah, I'm, that's no, why I'm I... staying quiet. I'm not talking. Because yeah, so basically, like, oh, it's our plan. Our plan is to go, Owen, tell us a story. And then we're oh, going to sit there and listen. <laughs> well, that's nice. No pressure then. Yeah. Uh, but, the fact, 
thanks for having me back on, guys. And um, uh, well done with the podcast. I'm really um, a bit of a fan, as you know. And um, after, uh, I was so pleased with the um, the Hastings um, down the pub. And uh, I'd like to come back on and do that again in, uh, sometime in the future. But based on that, and that was the link I was looking at, really, is the link between mythology and history. And uh, especially when I was talking about Hastings, um, there are so many myths around that battle. Um, and how history sort of links in with mythology in a huge way. Uh, I've been really lucky in the past to spend some time at the Alamo in um, San Antonio in Texas. It's beautiful, uh, isn't it? Oh, it's absolutely stunning. But it's an amazing location. It's an amazing place, which is built up entirely on a myth. And um, I mean, what happened there was fantastic, but the mythologizing that goes on around it and the stories that go on around it make it even more special. And um, that's what I like about history because history is just all about stories, really, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, uh, that's what history is. It's storytelling. I mean, um, uh, there are so many historians who banned facts back and forth, but what brings you into history in the first place is your love of stories and the love of great deeds that have happened in the past and the love of great events that may have happened on your doorstep or far away across the world. And I think probably you guys um, can think of when you were younger, what was it that really drew you to history? And it was probably a film or a book or something that piqued your interest. I'd like um, to remember by Waterlord. Exactly. Well, there we are. Look at the mythologizing around that, about the Titanic yeah. and uh, the story. I can remember that as a young boy watching that and uh, being really affected when seeing the band playing and, um, and getting quite upset about it. Um, and when you look at that, how, you know, there have been many maritime disasters over the years with great loss of life, uh, all tragic, but everyone keeps getting drawn back to the Titanic because of all the romance surrounding that not just a night to remember with Walter Lord and but also you know the, the James Cameron film TV series is all these things that it draws people in so much so um you know so romance is so in uh, yeah okay I romance you okay <laughs> well, I'm, I'm waiting for the flowers and the candles and the and, and the dinner I'll settle, for some, I'll settle for some Welsh stories. <laughs> since we're doing that, um, since we're doing it online and you can't see me, I'll pretend there's lots of candles around and a fireplace crackling and things like that. But uh, yeah. okay. so what, what I was going to do for you guys today, I was just going to tell you one of the stories that I, um, I often tell as a storyteller. And it's a story that means a lot to me because I spent a great deal of time in, uh, in the Swansea Valley. Now, the Swansea Valley is a place that's not that well known outside of Wales which is a shame because it's a beautiful, beautiful place. And um, it's home to the Cribath Mountain, which um, is a mountain which is called the Sleeping Giant. And it's called the Sleeping Giant because if you look at it, and I'd suggest anyone Google it, it looks like a man sleeping on his back. And it's a fantastic thing that you can't unsee once you've seen it. And uh, I was lucky enough to work up there for uh, a decade or more. Met some wonderful people. And... Um, started linking in with a few of the myths of the area and uh, sat down one day and pinned them together and, and came up with the story I'm about to tell you now. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to, um, I don't know where people are. I mean, I bet there's listeners all over the place at the moment, some in their cars, some in their houses, some in their offices, I don't know. But the thing about storytelling is it draws you in and it takes you to a place where you wouldn't normally be. And the world is quite dark at the moment, as we know, and the, 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 the time that we're in is quite difficult. So with storytelling, it's good to just for a short moment to be taken away. So I'd like to start the story, as I do with all stories, and tell you a little bit about the time between times. Now, I don't know when you're listening to this, 
but the time between times is the time when it is neither night nor day, but the sun has gone and the sky is grey. It's the time when the veil between our world and the fairy world grows wafer, wafer thin. It's a time when people see ghosts. It's a time when people see lights in the sky. It's a time when people see fairies. And many, many years ago, the time between times was the time when people would gather and listen to stories. So let's just forget where we are at the moment. Let's forget all our troubles and our cares and what's going on in the world and just listen to a story and pretend that we are gathered around the fireplace at the time between times. The fire is crackling, crackling even. And far out in the forest, we can hear the howl of wolves and we can hear the, the growl of bears. But we know we are safe here in the time between times. So I begin. 200 years ago this very night, in a small town called Astragunlais, there was a place called the New Inn. Now, Astragunlais is a lovely town. It's hard to say, but it's a lovely place to be. And it lays nestled in the Swansea Valley. A place so dark, they say the sun only shines there for an hour a day, and then at the height of midsummer. It is tall, rocky mountains that surround it, and its trees are like hooked claws. But there in the middle of the Swansea Valley was the new inn. Now, the new inn was never new. Even when they first built it, its rocky walls run with leaky water from the roof, and its, its fireplace never grew more than a crackle. 200 years ago this very night, by the fireplace in the new inn, sat two men with murder on their mind. And their names were Iago and Gronwy, and they were brothers, and they were wreckers. Now, for those of you who don't know, wreckers would gather on the Swansea coast and shine their lanterns out to out sea, causing ships to wreck upon the rocks. And then... All the sailors would swim ashore, and the wreckers would kill whoever remained and steal anything the ship had. And Iago and Gronoy had made and lost more fortunes than anyone cared to remember by being wreckers. But now they drew themselves to the Swansea Valley and sat next to the fireplace. Iago was tall and thin and wore a tricorn hat. His hair was lank and hung on his face, and he talked in a voice like this. His brother Gronoy was big and fat with a great big black beard and always carried a blunderbuss gun. But they were two of the blackest hearted villains you would ever know. And 200 years ago this very night, they sat with a plan. Well, you see, brother, said Iago, it's like this. It's like the shepherd told me. There's a road that runs all the way from Swansea to the town of Brecon where they station all the soldiers. And once a month, directly at midnight, a coach makes its winding, weaving way up the Swansea Valley full of gold to pay those soldiers. They say it's so full of gold that if you open the doors, the gold will run out and flow on the floor like a river. But we would be the richest men in all of Wales if we were to rob that coach. <laughs> well, well, I don't know this is true, said Gronin. You've come up with a lot of plans and none of them work. Listen, brother, the shepherd wouldn't lie. I held my knife to his throat. He weren't going to lie to me. All right, then. We'll make our way up the valley, all right? We'll make our way up there and we will become the richest men. But what? If this goes wrong, this is over, right between us. This is over. 
they finished their drinks and left them on the floor. They made their way outside of the new inn, and there was an old rickety carriage pulled by a black mare called Shadow, who was so thin that you could see her ribs. Iago and Gronui climbed upon the coach and made their slow way up through the Swansea Valley. The time between times fell, the time when it is neither night nor day, but the sun has gone and the sky is grey. And upwards they went through the villages of Caibont, Abercrave and Swen, until they came to a place called Penwist. Now Penwist, the wild head as it's known, is in the darkest, deepest part of the Swansea Valley. And there, hanging over the road, is an old oak tree which has stood there for hundreds of years. Its branches look like a hand, and there are stepping stones that can cause you to climb it, and there you can see right down the valley. They hid Shadow, and they hid their cart, and then they started to speak. Now then, what I'll do, brother, right, is I'll climb the tree and overlook the road, and when I see the lights of the coach, I'll call like an owl like this, oh, oh, and then you... You jump out in front of the coach, right? Jump out with your blunderbuss gun and you give it the old stand and deliver. And then we'll both rob the coach. We're away from here. Richest man Wales has ever seen, you know. Yeah, all right. We'll do that. But I'm going to go sleep in that little cave over there. So don't you forget. Don't you forget to call me, right? I'm not going to forget anything. Gronoy went and slept in a small little overcast cave. There he lay on the floor and was soon snoring like a pig. Yago clambered up the tree until he lay there on a branch overlooking the road. He could feel the damp of the branch against his chest and he struggled to get comfortable. He placed his mouth, uh, his knife in his mouth and waited and waited. Far away he could hear the howl of the wolves. He could hear the growl of the bears and the sun finally set and darkness came down like a blanket. Directly at midnight, far away, he heard the chimes of the church in Astragunlais, and he knew his night would be long. Of the coach there was no sign, and all he could hear was his brother snoring below. But then suddenly he saw something that made his black heart beat even faster, a light making its way winding up the valley. <gasps> there it is! There's the coach! Right, I caught... <gasps> Then he looked again, and again, and there was more than one light. There were two lights, five lights, ten lights, twenty lights, a hundred lights. And these lights were not high like the lights of a coach, oh no. These lights were low to the ground. And at that moment, Yago became terrified for what he saw caused his heart to flutter in his chest. For each of these lights was being held by one of the Tulwith Teig. Now, for those of you listening who don't know, the Tulwith Teig are the Welsh fairies, and they are not the fairies that we see in film or TV. These fairies were old, grotesque, ugly little beings that would steal a baby and replace it by a changeling, or make you sleep and not wake for a hundred years. These were capricious little fairies who would caper and dance around the Swansea Valley, and to look upon them sometimes means certain death. Yago hid his eyes, then looked up again, and saw that each of the fairies held in one hand a light, and in the other hand a single gold coin. 
Some of them shuffled and meandered their way up the path. Others pranced and danced until they came totally under the tree in which Iago was hiding. <gasps> and then he saw them make their way to a small opening in the mountainside, covered by bushes and brambles. It parted to reveal an entranceway deep into the earth. Each of the fairies stopped by the entrance and called out, Gashu! Gashu! Hang on a minute. Fairies are full of gold, making their way in there, a cave deep in the mountain. <laughs> oh no, what are they doing? Yago watched each of them go into the mountain and arrive and come out a few moments later without the gold coins. They're storing their gold in that cave. The fairies are putting their gold in that cave. Oh, I could be the richest man anyone's ever seen without even robbing a court. <gasps> he watched as each of the fairies disappeared into the forest, the lights dissipating as they made their way dark into the darkness of the wood. Right, all I gotta do is call Gronwy, get out there, we know the password, the password is Gathoch, we make our way in, we grab the gold and off we go. <gasps> Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Wait a minute. I don't need to call Gronry, do I? No. <laughs> I could let him sleep in that cave, couldn't I? I could just let him sleep there. I could be in there. I could be away before anyone needs to know about it. He jumped down from the tree, landed, pulled his tall coat tight, straightened his hat, and made his way to the entranceway and peered within. He could not see his hand in front of his face. Oh, gosh, it's dark in there. But summoning all his courage, he cupped his hands and called out, Gatu! Gatu! And stepped inside the cave. He made his way down and to the left, back into the right, sliming and squeezing his way down the dark corridors, down the caverns, until he felt like he would come out on the other side of the earth. Down and down went Iago, ducking and weaving and climbing and squeezing, until finally, when he was just about to give up and return to the fresh air of the surface, he appeared in a large room, totally square. And all around the walls hung great iron hooks. And from those hooks hung sacks. And from those sacks tumbled rivers of gold coins onto the ground. 
Iago had to step into the gold like a river. And then he started to fill his pockets, fill his coat, fill under his hat. Oh, look at this. I'm the richest man ever. I know exactly where this is. And I can come back here at any time. And I can be the richest man Wales has ever seen. Iago started to dance and caper. And all of a sudden, something happened that he did not expect. What was just a pile of rags in the corner of the room started to shuffle and move. What was just a pile of rags in the corner started to jump up and then the rags fell away, revealing the skull of a horse with glowing green eyes. And at that very moment, Yago now knew that he was doomed, for he was looking into the eyes of the Marie Louis, the Grey Mare, the first horse that winter killed, the queen of the fairies. The Marie Louis was capricious and old, and to look upon her meant doom. Iago fell to his knees. Oh, oh, Marie Lloyd, Marie Lloyd, please let me go. I had no idea this was here. I, I, I've just come here to take... He started to unload the gold and throw it upon the floor. Oh, Marie Lloyd, let me go. The Marie turned to him and spoke in a voice as old as the mountains and as capricious as the sea. Why have you come here, thief? Oh, I, I'm not a thief. I'm not a thief. I came here by accident, okay? I, I found the entranceway. Listen, I know the password. The password is Gashuch, Gashuch, Gashuch. So you know the password to come in. But do you know the password to leave? <gasps> you mean there's a password to leave as well? Oh, no. Oh, no, Marie Louis. Please, please. I promise. I promise. I'll never come here again. I promise. I promise. Yago must have caught the Vary on one of her good nights. For she turned to him and said, Go from here, thief. Leave your gold and go from here. But know this, if you ever return to this place, if you ever come here again, or any human comes here again, you will be mine, mine forever. Do you understand? Oh, thank you, Mari. Oh, thank you, Mari. Yago left the chamber and made his way up and to the left, back and to the right, up, down, over, under, squeezing his way through the caverns until he burst out into the Swansea Valley and started to run and run and run, the branches pulling at his face, the branches ripping at his arms, and still he ran and would have run all the way to Swansea Port, except a figure stepped in front of him. A figure with a gun. Where do you think you're going, brother? Where do you think you're going? Oh, Connie, we gotta get out of here. We gotta. You've left me sleep in that cave, and you've robbed that coach, haven't you? You've robbed that coach, and you've left me sleep. No, I haven't left you sleep. I haven't. I promise. I. Yago put his hands in the air, and fate, as it sometimes does, started to intervene. And out of his top pocket fell a single gold coin, and clattered and clanged upon the stones of the ground. If you haven't robbed that coach, where did you get that coin? All right, brother. All right, brother, I'll tell you something, all right? Okay, I did, I did, I did rob the coach. I did rob the coach and I let you sleep, okay? I let you sleep in that cave. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I meant to share it, but I panicked and I went and I've put all the gold 
in the cave. There's a password, mind. You just stand in the doorway and you say, Gathoch, and you make your way down and to the left, back and to the right, until you arrive in a great big square room and there is all the gold. Now you can have it. And with that, Yago was gone. He rushed and was never seen in the Swansea Valley ever again. Gronoy made his way to the cavern. <laughs> he looked inside. Well, it's, the, it's dark in there, isn't it? He placed his blunderbuss gun against the entranceway and called in. Gatuch! Gatuch! And taking a brief, brief, a brief, taking a big breath, he stepped inside the cavern and was never seen again. A few weeks later, a traveller passing by found his gun perched against the entrance to the cavern, took it back to the new inn, where it still lays to this day hanging above the fireplace. A few years later, a great opera singer called Adelina Patti, who sang with the voice of an angel, came to the Swansea Valley wanting to build a castle that would stretch to the, to the clouds called Craigenos. All her workers started to dig and dig and dig in Penwift, and they dug deep until they found that cavern, and they found that room, and they found those hooks hanging from the wall. But there was no gold. But from one of the hooks there hung a human skull. One of the workmen took the skull and held it in his hand. And as he slept that night, he kept it under his bed in his tent in Penwift. But as the night fell dark, and the time between times came, and the sky grew black, the skull started to scream and scream and scream. So he put it in a bag and stepped on his horse and rode all the way down to Swansea Port until he came to the great museum with his Greek facade and he hammered on the door. And the curator opened the door and he placed the skull in the hand of the curator who took it in his hands and took it to the darkest room and placed it in a safe, closed the door. But every night after the museum was closed and all the people had gone, the skull would scream and scream until no one would come near. So eventually they took it out and put it in a boat and rowed it out to sea and dropped it in the ocean. And only then was it silent. But they say that even now, if you were to go to Penwift in the Swansea Valley, and you stayed there at the time between times, the time when it is neither night nor day, but the sun is gone and the sky is grey, you will hear deep underground a voice calling, Gashuch! 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 Many people have heard that as they play and caper and dance and cry a nose. And that, my friends, is the story of the robbers of Penwilt. Diochamaur, thank you very much. Oh, yeah. absolutely brilliant. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you know, I have goosebumps right now, and I'm sitting there, I'm just like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. <laughs> so let's talk about the history behind this. I, I, Madam Patty, I know her. The king adored her. She came out of retirement to do some singing in World War One to raise money. So she's real. But where does this story come from, Owen, and what's the truth behind it? And, yeah, tell us. <laughs> 
Well, we, we, we don't know, in all honesty. Okay? Mm. We don't know. Um, there are some um, discrepancies. I don't think the museum was built. I don't think Craigenor's Castle was originally built for Adelina Patti. I think it was a, it had another purpose originally. But, um, hey, when uh, it's like the, um, the man that shot Liberty Valance, when truth becomes legend, print the legend, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Uh, it's a uh, the castle is there. Adelina Patti Sam lived in the Swansea Valley for quite a while, and there's a lot of places in Swansea that relate to Adelina Patti. But also nearby, interestingly, there's a caving club. There are some of the greatest caves in all the UK in um, in the Swansea Valley. And back in the fifties, um, some cavers from a caving club broke into a um, uh, an area which no one had been in before, uh, deep, deep, deep underground, and they found a complete human skeleton. Um, which they have no idea how, how it got there. Mm. It had a broken leg. And um, uh, the only, um, what the people have sort of thought about, that it could have been um, someone fell through, through the floor, you know, like, a, I don't know, the earth moved back in the Bronze Age and someone got stuck there. Mm. But a lot of people associated with um, the Swansea Valley, with, uh, with robbers, with thieves. Um, there's a lot of legends about the devil appearing in the area. Um, you know, old Welsh folklore is full of like devil stories and ghost stories, and and the Marithoid is a very important part of Welsh folklore. It's a, um, it's still between New Year, um, Christmas and New Year in many Welsh villages. You see parades of people who dress up in costumes, and they bring a horse's skull on a pole, and they um, they knock on doors and sing songs, and um, the the Vary is like welcomed into like pubs and things, and uh, they give drinks to the revellers, and it brings good luck for the year. So that is very much a sort of associated with the Swansea Valley as well so uh, and wreckers and and um, and um, they bury their gold in the area and there's talk of you know hordes of gold being buried by wreckers who have never come back to get it and things like that so um, there's a lot of other stories that link in to make that story real and it's one of my favorites anyway absolutely brilliant I love it. And do you know what? I want to go to Wales now. I want to experience all of that. <laughs> she didn't even know what Wales was when we started this oh podcast. This is God. progress. No. She was terrified of anyone with a Welsh accent. She had oh. sleepless nights before Yoan Griffith came on because she thought she might have to say his name. Uh, you have changed her, Owen. <laughs> no, it's not. Look, I've spent a lot of time. I spent a lot of time in Wales. So, yeah. um, but I'd love to go back because I never knew any of that. Yeah, you'd be more than welcome. And there's loads and loads of um, of stories like that and loads of places where you can go, which are so atmospheric. Um, I just, I hope you don't mind. I've, I've just started a, um, a YouTube channel um, where I am actually putting up, that story is there at the moment as well as a mm. few others. So if people search Owen Staten, I'm trying to do some online storytelling so um, people can explore different uh, myths and legends as well by looking at that. And it's Staten, uh, S-T-A-T-O-N for our listeners. It is, it is, yes, Owen Staten, yeah, that's right, yeah. And obviously on Twitter I do a lot as well, um, so if you, you seek me out there, and it's Owen S. Griffiths on, on Twitter, but they, uh, if they do Owen Staten they'll find me as well. But, yeah. You need to come back and do this again. Maybe we can do that once a month to tell <laughs> yeah. another story. Uh, yeah, definitely. I'm in. Yeah, it would be fab. And as I say, I, uh, because it links in with history so much, and I think mm. without mythology, history isn't isn't as as exciting as it could be, you know. And it brings people into into having an interest in history, which I find and that's really it for me. Uh, over the years, you know, I've told, I started off doing this um, by, um, I used to work in the Swansea Museum um, and I used to dress up as a Roman soldier and talk to people about Roman life and Celtic life. And uh, from that, I started telling a few stories. And uh, when you research, you know, um, uh, the mythology around Wales in particular, uh, 
purely because it's where I'm from. Um, there are so many rich stories, especially around the 18th, 19th century, where mm. there were big changes in the uh, Industrial Revolution and, and uh, changes in, their, in their religious practices and things that bring out so many of these like folkloric type things, which are quite spooky, but quite nice, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, I enjoy it anyway. I hope, I hope the listeners do. No, 100%. We have to get you back. Thank you so much. <laughs> no problem. Join us on Monday when Rich Frank will be talking all about Pearl Harbor. Done quite a lot from this theatre of war, but we haven't done the catalyst that kicked off the Pacific War involving the US in World War Two. So join us for that one. Don't forget, you can become a patron of History Hack for as little as a dollar a month. Just go to www.historyhack.podbean.com. It will help us keep going in the aftermath of the coronavirus, and we would really appreciate it, as we would love to do so. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 